Was that too loud? Everybody has this look like, okay. <laughs> hey, they're coming November 17th. Mass Anthem is going to be here. They're going to be here on Sunday morning. So they're leading worship here uh, for both services Sunday morning, then coming back that evening for a concert. As Danielle was already talking about, uh, you can get your tickets starting today uh, through the church website in the lobby. We also have these cards out there and you can uh, grab some of those and spread those around to your friends, invite them uh, to be a part of this time. It, this is for all of us. And what a great opportunity to invite friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and people you don't even know, just anybody to come on out to a great time again on November 17th. Looking forward to that. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan, the lead pastor here. And today we start a brand new sermon series. So if you have your Bibles, if you would uh, turn to the book of Luke, please. Chapter 11 is where we're gonna be. Uh, if you have a tablet or smartphone with the app, uversion.com, you can follow along the Bible there uh, as well. And as you're turning there, a couple things to mention. First, and I, I've said this before, and I just, I wanna say it again, not to be like a broken record, but this is, I just continue to be so um, thankful for you and, and just impressed with New Hope, how you serve and how you show up. Yesterday, as was already mentioned, was Love Adele Day and um, we swam our way through the day, right? I mean, it was just rain everywhere, but uh, whether it was John's baby walk with torrential downpour, I mean, 15, 20 of you were out there um, getting wet. I mean, but it was a great time there with that and all the different projects and, and all of them were of equal value, but this year, this last weekend, yesterday, what was really extra special was getting to take a team to Redfield and do a project over there. And uh, that's significant because I think it's important to remember and recognize that while, while we're in Adel and many people from New Hope that call New Hope home live in Adel, not everybody does. That we have people from every community you could imagine surrounding Adele that come to New Hope, Dallas Center and DeSoto and, and obviously Redfield. And so to go over there and to offer this barbecue and to interact with people and just to point people to Christ and show and share the love of Christ with people, that's important. That's really important to do. And, and one of my goals and dreams for 2020 is that we can do this in other communities, maybe your community. Maybe we do a Waukee next year, or maybe it's Dallas Center or some other community that we can also get into and do a block party or just do something there to build relationships and to point people to Christ. Exciting times are happening. So well done, uh, New Hope, with that. I also wanted to mention, too, as we've been talking each Sunday about our Go missionary strategy that we launched, New Hope has 12 uh, missionary or ministry partners that we've adopted. And uh, each week in the coming weeks, I want to introduce you to some of them. Uh, we've had, this is not a new partnership that we have, but I want to introduce introduce you to uh, two beautiful children. There's Fatima in Nicaragua and Ramahani in Tanzania. These are compassion children that New Hope Church, uh, we sponsor. And, um, and we've been doing this now for, for some time, but, uh, but they're a part of our community, if you will, by extension, and Compassion is one of our partners. And so I wanted you to see a visual of them. In the coming year, as uh, we get reports and exchange letters with them, we're going to be sharing with you more about, about their lives and what they're doing and how they're growing and what they're learning. When you give, this is the kind of thing that you're supporting in terms of sponsoring, in this case, a couple children in other parts of the world. As we speak about partnerships, I also want to show another picture, and this is our own Pastor Tom. He continues to be in India, and he is serving there, and by all uh, what I've heard, at least, it's going really, really well. And so if you're praying for him, thank you, and please don't stop. He's, uh, the ministry continues. He comes home later this week and uh, will be with us next Sunday, but, um, but keep praying for the work they're doing there as he's investing, in, uh, along with others, into those that are students and learning the Bible and how to interpret the Bible, and uh, really having a global impact in this case in India. So it's exciting stuff. So thank you for praying for him uh, during this time. 
As I mentioned before, we're starting a brand new sermon series today. It's called Prayers That God Always Says Yes To. And whether we're talking about prayer or just our lives, we want to hear yes to the request that we have, right? You know what it's like. It's something like, can I have a raise? I mean, I'd <laughs> love to hear the yes. Or if you're a parent, how about this one? You know, go to your kids. Hey, did you clean your room? I don't hear yes too often on that one. But, you know, you like that idea. You want to hear yes from that. We like to hear yes. And it's the same in our prayer life. You know, I remember one time in my life in particular, I wanted to hear yes more than probably any other time. I even remember the date. It was July 9th, 1999. And on this day, it was with my best friend, and we went on a hike. We were in Colorado. Uh, we, where we started off was like 8,000 feet altitude, hiked up to about 10, maybe even 11 feet altitude. But there was this overlook that you would get up on this, this overlook, this kind of area, and you could see Pikes Peak, and you could see all of Colorado Springs. I mean, it was breathtaking, literally because there's no oxygen at that altitude. But besides that, I mean, it was just this scene and this moment of, of just, just incredible beauty. And at that, at that moment, I, I got down on a knee, and I grabbed a ring, and I turned to Laura, and I asked if she would be my wife. And, and guys, right, you want to hear yes at that moment, right? That's like a big thing. And so it, it, it's the same with me. I really, really wanted to hear a yes, and thankfully she did say yes. We all know what this is like. But what if I told you in your prayer life that God tells us, not that we fix this into our minds, but God tells us that if you pray about certain things, that God says, I promise you, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to answer that prayer as a yes. Now, please don't miss here. I am not saying that as we pray, that God always says yes to our prayers. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that God should say yes to all of our prayers. I mean, we should be thankful that in God's sovereignty and wisdom and goodness that he tells us no. Because there's plenty of times we pray about things and God knows better than us. And he'll say no or he'll say not now. But there are times, just a handful of times, where God tells us, he promises us in his word that if you pray about such a, a certain thing, he says, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes every time. And so what we're going to do in the coming week, starting right now, is I want to introduce you to four different prayers, one per week. And each prayer is a promise from God that if you pray this, God says, I will answer yes, I will do this every single time. And this is something that I really hope encourages your prayer life. I hope for all of us, it spurs us on to want to pray more and to pray more specifically about some specific things. So that's our hope. So again, Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to begin our journey. So if you're, if you're there or you can follow along on the screen behind, uh, I want to just begin Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, in the New Testament, all the time, you just, as you read the gospel accounts, you see Jesus praying all the time. And so naturally, the disciples come to him. They come to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, would you, would you teach us how to pray? Now, they're asking about, as it says, how to pray. But you know what else they're asking about? They're asking Jesus this. They're asking Jesus, Jesus, what do you pray about? When we see you praying all the time, like, what are you talking to your heavenly father about? Like, what are you praying about? In a sense, they're asking Jesus for his mission statement. Like, what's important to you? What, what do you beg God for when you're praying? That's what they're asking him. And so Jesus responds, verse 2, he says, Jesus said to them, well, when you pray, say, Father, may your, king, may your name excuse me, be kept holy. Holy means perfect or set apart. He says, Father, may your name be kept holy and may your, your kingdom come soon. 
Give us each day the the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. We often call this the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. And there's so much packed into these verses. And for another day, we'll unpack this prayer. But for today, I want to actually focus on what Jesus says about prayer after this prayer this model prayer he gives. Because Jesus is not done. He continues to talk about prayer and the role of prayer. So look with me at verse five. Let's keep going. And then Jesus, excuse me, then teaching them more about prayer, uh, he used this story. So Jesus can tell a story. He says, suppose you want, or you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because, <clears throat> because of your boldness. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Let's pause here real quick. There's a principle here that's important. In fact, if you have your bulletin on the back side, your first fill in the blank, here it is. It's this idea. This is so foundational and important. It's this, that God loves when you come to him in prayer. Let me say that again. God loves when you come to him in prayer. They say, well, well, why is that? Well, here's why. Because God loves you. God loves when you come to him in prayer because God loves you. I mean, think of it like a parenting parallel. I mean, how often, if you're a parent, grandparent, whatever the case may be, you want your kids to come to you, right? You want your kids to talk to you. You want them to, to share about what they're going through and what they're fearing and facing and the good stuff and the hard stuff. You want that dialogue. But how much more God? He wants to hear from you. He wants you to pray for him. And this is important because sometimes I think we have this idea in our mind that the things that we pray about or just praying to him might annoy him or, or that God is just super busy and doesn't have time for the things that I'm going through. Or maybe this idea that God only has time to deal with the big stuff and my stuff is not necessarily big stuff because your stuff compared to other people's stuff is probably small. You get the idea. And so we have this kind of ongoing conversation of, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to put this on him. I don't, I just, I'll just keep it to myself or I'll work it out myself. But God here is saying this idea of, he's saying, no, I want you to come. I want you to pray. I want you to ask. I don't want you to give up. Don't ever give up. Come to me. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, original for the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the word picture you get for God hearing your prayers is the idea of literally bending down and cupping the ear. What it means is that when you pray about anything, the good stuff, the hard stuff, prayer requests, whatever it is you're facing, that when you come to him and pray, that God says, I am cupping the ears and bending down to listen because what you have to say, I want to hear it. I mean, every word that you want to say, I don't want to miss a word. That's the picture that God gives in Scripture about you. And this gift that he gives us, that we can talk to the creator, Lord, and Savior of all. That we can come before him in prayer. 
And we can do so boldly and, and, and over and over again. God wants us to come to him in prayer. And so he lays out this principle. And then Jesus in verse 11 transitions and he gives us our prayer promise for today that we're going to talk about. Here, here it is. Look what he says. He says, you fathers. So he's talking to dads now. He says, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And the answer is, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, and here it is, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There it is. There's our first prayer promise. And in, in, in fill in the blank. Here's your next fill in the blank. Here's the idea. Just capsulate it in a sentence. It's this. That God always says yes to your prayer for the Holy Spirit. God always says yes for your prayer for the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you're like, okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, I don't know. Should I be excited about this? I mean, what do I do with this? I mean, why do I pray this? And, and what does it even mean? And I think it's important to talk about this for a moment. Because so often in the church, part of the problem is we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much, do we? In fact, some of you, you may have grown up in a faith tradition where, where for you it was that the Holy Trinity was Father, Son, and Holy Bible. I mean, that was the picture of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit's there, but he's kind of in the background. He, he's forgotten, he's set aside, he's misunderstood. Or maybe in some faith traditions, the Holy Spirit, the picture you get is that the Holy Spirit's actually dangerous. And so you just want to be real careful when it comes to the Holy Spirit. This morning, what I, want, I just want to mention, see, the role of the Holy Spirit, he does so much. I just want to mention very, very quickly three things. Three jobs that the Holy Spirit does that I think are important enough to call out because it has to do with what we're talking about this morning. It really has to do with explaining why you and I should pray for the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't mean to receive the Holy Spirit. What I mean is to have the Holy Spirit enable us to live a life that he's asking us to live. And so I want to just share this really quickly. Here's the next fill in the blanks. Here it is. Here's number one, the first job of the Holy Spirit and why we should be praying. It's this, that the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. I sense your enthusiasm. It's, I mean, that's one of those things like we don't necessarily want to sign up to be convicted. Like we don't want to necessarily feel bad about what it is we're going through. But, but please hear this. It's the job of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine to expose our sins to ourselves. That's his job. That's what he wants to do so that we see it and we hate it. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's his job. Look with me at John chapter 16, verse 8. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin. That, that's us as a part of it. Convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, I know, and so do you. I mean, today we bristle at this idea about sin and talking about sin. It's, it's intolerant. It's unpolite. It's just, it's just something that we don't do. And I think as people, we all pretty much say, I mean, Nobody's perfect and we shoulder shrug like it's no big deal. Or we have this idea that I can manage my junk. I've got it and so do you, but I can keep it under control. I can keep it under wraps and so it doesn't impact anybody else. And it's just not that big of a deal. All the while not realizing that the sin in our lives is destroying us. And it's destroying our relationships. 
That's the truth of the matter. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and, 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 and wants to help us. And for some, that we get to a point where we see our sin for what it is and we're sick of it. We're bothered by it. The Holy Spirit wants to get underneath all of it and wants to bring it to the surface. And this is hard because we see it and we don't want to see it. But brings it to the surface so that we can deal with it. And what it does is it reminds us and it helps us understand we need a savior. Like we need a rescuer. This is not about being a better version of you and me. Sure, we can do that all day long. This is about being transformed. So the Holy Spirit convicts us. Here's a second job. And by the way, we should be glad for this. Here's a second job of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit, I know it's a big word, but sanctifies us. Sanctify. So, so this word, you can use it at a dinner party and impress all your friends that you had no big word. So sanctify, what this word means is to help you and I to be more like Jesus. That's what it means, to help us in our character be more Christ-like in how we treat people and how we talk, things that we do, our priorities, our purpose. The Holy Spirit's job is to sanctify, to help us become more like Jesus. Look with me at Romans 15, just on the screen behind. Verse 16, Paul's talking. He says, I am a special, special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. And I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God. Here it is, made holy by the Holy Spirit. See, it's his job. And we should be glad for this. We should be glad that the Holy Spirit in your life wants to help you become more like Jesus. So he wants to convict. He wants to sanctify. And here's the third one. Your next fill in the blank is this. The Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit gives power. Look with me on the screen behind. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. And that word in the Greek literally means dynamite, explosiveness. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people ev about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, it's the Holy Spirit's job to enable you to be able to live as a follower of Jesus. So, so what that means is you, in and of yourselves, do not have the strength or the ability to do it. Yeah, maybe for a day or two, but not over the long haul. That, that you and I, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us what we need day by day to live for Him. The Holy Spirit enables, empowers, and we should be glad for this. So just by way of review, and you'll see it in your bulletin there, we've talked about conviction. The conviction is the Holy Spirit's work on you. Sanctification is the Holy Spirit's work in you. And empowering is the Holy Spirit's work through you. Now, this is not a fill in the blank, but in your bulletin, here's a key idea for this morning. And I hope, I hope you grab a hold of this. This is so important. Because all this means that the Holy Spirit is central to living as a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the part of the Trinity who, who is God that we often forget and set aside and don't really even think about or address or deal with, what we're saying this morning is we can't live as Christians apart from the Holy Spirit. We need his work in our lives. We need him to convict. We need him to sanctify. We need him to enable. And so many other jobs that he does. We need him to do this. The Holy Spirit is central to living as a follower of Christ. I want to give an illustration for this. 
Last week, if you remember, it was a different sermon series. We were talking about Romans chapter 12. And verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be, if you remember the key word, transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your minds. And we talked about this word transformation. And we talked about how it's, the word is metamorphosis. It's literally changing. It's, it's become qualitatively your one thing. And then qualitatively you become something else. That God does this work in our hearts, in our lives. He transforms us. And, and as we talked about the illustration, we used the illustration of a caterpillar to a butterfly, didn't we? And we talked about how a caterpillar is one thing, but then through the cocoon process becomes something entirely different, namely a butterfly. It's the same, it's the same species or animals, but qualitatively it's very different. Well, this week, doing some looking around at this process, I was just absolutely amazed at actually what this process entails. And I want to share this with you because I think it's a fitting illustration for what it means to be a Christian. In fact, maybe some of you remember this book here. Well, there it is, The Hungry Caterpillar. Anybody remember that book and read that book, right? Okay, so, I mean, it's been around for a long time, maybe with your kids and all that kind of a thing. And, and, and this, the story of a caterpillar captured beautifully by this book with all the watercolors is, is the idea that the caterpillar hatches and the caterpillar comes out hungry. And so right away, the caterpillar, be caterpillar begins to um, just eat. It leaves, just consuming over and over again. And it gets fatter and fatter and fatter. And it has to molt its skin because it's getting fatter and fatter and fatter. And then one day, it begins to, to, to change. It stops eating. And it goes out, as you see there, you remember the, remember the book, goes out onto the end of a twig. And it just hangs upside down. And it begins to, to spin a, a cocoon around itself. Now, what happens next is not in Eric Carle's book, and probably for a good thing because kids would scream. But what happens next is that the caterpillar inside the cocoon begins to digest itself. It eats itself. Gross. And so what you end up having is you go from caterpillar to this soup of goo. It's just literally all it is. Now, I'm telling you, if, if there is not a God, I do not understand how this all works. But, but, but here you have this soupy goo stuff, and it begins to work and change. And out of this soupy goo, all of a sudden grows in time wings and antenna and feet. It's the same stuff as the caterpillar, but it goes through this complete transformation process into this incredible butterfly. And then it breaks from the cocoon and flies away. And we just marvel at this incredible story. And oftentimes we stop the story there. But the story doesn't stop there. Because what happens next is also remarkable. Now for the monarch butterfly specifically, the monarch butterfly hatches out of the cocoon. And for those here in the United States and also in Canada, the, the butterfly begins to go on this instinctual journey specifically to, well, Mexico. And in the wintertime, when it's cold here, I have the same instinct. Like, I want to go too, right? So this time of year, all the monarchs that are being hatched, they're all on their way to Mexico. And specifically to one village in Mexico, Sierra Chinchua. It's a small village in Mexico. And they say in October and into November a little bit, about 500 million butterflies show up at this location. There's just some examples from the trees in the nearby village. I mean, just an unbelievable thing. They have this instinct to make this trip to go down there. And all along the way, these butterflies traveling over 2,000 miles, they, they fly, and just that a butterfly would go that far is amazing, but they will fly along and they rest on flowers. And what they do every time they rest is they grab seed or pollen and they get up and they 
pollinate. They move the seed. They spread the seed around everywhere they go. They're stopping here and spreading seed. They stop over here and they spread seed. Millions upon millions of butterflies making this journey, pollinating all along as they go. I was talking to somebody after the first service. They said, you know what? We were studying monarchs also this summer with the kids. They said, and when they arrive in Sierra Chinchua, God turns off their biological clocks. See, butterflies only have limited time where they live. But for some reason, when they arrive at that location, the biological clock turns off and they live another seven months reproducing. Unbelievable. I mean, just this picture of what God is doing in the monarch butterfly. In fact, scientists call it one of the natural phenomenons of the world that this would happen. So why do I share all that? Because I think the story of the monarch becomes an example in the physical world about what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ. I think it becomes a perfect parallel for life as a Christian. Because if you, if you go back, and some of this is going to relate to your story, and, and we're all in different places here this morning, and some of it is going to relate to my story. But it's a story of, of, for all of us where we, at some point in our lives, and I'll just use myself as an example, that I've spent years and years crawling through life and consuming whatever for me. Living a selfish, self-centered, angry existence of years of, of doing my own thing and hurting people and saying things I shouldn't and doing things I, I shouldn't. And, and, and you know what it took? It took a high school water polo coach who got my attention. And in my senior year of high school, just, just speaking to, to me of calling some things out in my life. And the Holy Spirit used Victor. And for those of you who are coaches and teachers, keep it up. This is so important at that stage of life. But, but, but using Victor, the Holy Spirit used Victor to convict me of my sin, to see the junk in my life. And quite honestly, just to have an honest assessment of me. And I'm sure your story is, you have some of that in your story too. To where I saw that what was wrong in my life and I saw what was missing in my life. And it isn't just about a a Holy Spirit beatdown. That's not what this is about. Because what it does in all of us is it creates in us, in you and me, a recognition that you and I, we need a Savior. We need a rescuer. We, We need somebody to come and fix this sin problem that we have that you and I can't piece back together again. We just can't do it. And that's part of my story, the Holy Spirit convicting. And in October of 1992 in a van with Victor who shared the gospel with me about who Jesus is that night. I didn't have all the answers, my questions answered. It wasn't even about that. But just recognizing my sin and who the Savior was. And I just invited him into my life to be his Lord and Savior that night in October of 1992. And and, and metaphorically speaking, it was a transformation process. It was caterpillar to butterfly. And I had wings. And for many of you, your story too, where you've also said yes to Christ, you are not meant, church, to crawl anymore. You're called to fly. You're a new creation in him, built in him with wings called with purpose to do what he has for you. But you know what it is, though? For you and I, we get these wings, but it isn't like we just take off and we have it perfectly down. No. We're works in progress, aren't we? And the the Holy Spirit's not done working. He's got to then sanctify us, help us become more like Jesus. See, See, I had to learn. I had to learn how to love people. They didn't know how to do that very well. I had to learn how to be kind. I had to learn how to, how to treat people and have a relationship. And I'm still in process. 
But that's what it looks like. The Holy Spirit helping us grow and mature, learning how to fly for him. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. And then like, like you possibly, in fact, for all of you who've said yes to Christ, you have a calling on your life. And it may not be Mexico. And it may not be India like Pastor Tom or Honduras or, or anywhere else. But God has you right here in this corner of the world. They're right here in Adel or Dallas Center, Waukee, wherever you live. That God has planted me here. And as I go about what I'm doing, God is calling you and enabling you and empowering you to live for him. That as you go about your daily life, just like the butterfly landing on flowers and grabbing some seed and spreading it around as they go, it's our job to do the same thing. That, that as we go and as you go to work and as you go to, to a ball team or as you're in the high school hallways or as you're, as you're wherever you find yourself, that you would be in that place grabbing seeds and spreading it. And again, we do it with love and we do it with kindness. And sometimes we do it with words too. And if you're hearing this this morning and your sense is like, I can't. I just, I don't have the courage. I don't have the know-how. The answer is you're right. You can't. And neither can I. But that's the point. The point is we can't. Because the point is he can through you. The Holy Spirit enabling you, giving you that dynamite that you don't have in of yourselves to live for him. The story of the monarch butterfly becomes a great reminder of what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ. And so as we close, I want to ask you some questions. The band, you can come on up if you would, please. I want to ask you some questions. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to help you become more like Jesus? Because you know what happens way too often is we fight it. Because it means change. It's hard. It's scary to come to a place and say, God, I am just open to whatever you have for me. Would you lead me? Would you help me become more like Christ? That takes courage. But can I, can I encourage you with something this morning? Would you either continue or begin today? Today and every day this week, would you, would you pray? Would you wake up every morning and say, Lord, sanctify me. Lord, help me become more like Jesus. I don't want to become a better version of me. I want to become like Christ. And make that your prayer too. Holy Spirit, sanctify me. Begin to pray that in your life. Or, or maybe for you, in addition to that prayer, another question for you to ask is, are you living under the enabling of the Holy Spirit? Or are you trying to do this Christianity thing in your own strength? And again, you can do it for a short time, a couple of days maybe. But you can't do it for the long haul. So much of following Jesus is coming to a place where you recognize and I recognize, Lord, I can't do this. So would you do it through me? So I want to encourage you. Would you, would you pray? As we talk about this idea of praying for the Holy Spirit, it's not only praying the Holy Spirit make me more like Jesus. Would you pray, Holy Spirit, give me what I need to do what you've called me to do? Because it's too big for me. And it's true for you too. It's too big. Holy Spirit, give me what I need. And then finally, I want to ask this. Has the Holy Spirit been convicting you? Is there an area of your life that he's been convicting you and you're just, you're just holding tight and saying, no, I don't want to even go there? Or maybe for you, it's just that first time where you, you don't yet know who Jesus is or have that relationship with him, but it's, it's that conviction of, I know things are going sideways in my life and I don't have this figured out and I'm tired of it. And if that's you, make today the day where your prayer is, Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing that all up to the surface and now I recognize I don't know what to do with all this. So I'm gonna take it to Jesus, my Savior and my Lord.
This is for all of us. And the promise is, as we saw in Luke chapter 11, that as you and I pray, Holy Spirit, work in my life, God promises, he says, you know what? I'm gonna say yes every single time. So let's start right now. I just wanna invite you to, to, to um, some, some moments here. We're gonna worship in a, in a second, but we're gonna take some time to pray. And, and before I just close this with prayer, at least with this part, I wanna give you a moment, just you and God time, just for you to talk to him in any of these areas of your life. Because maybe for you, it's God, I'm, I just feel convicted. Or maybe for you, it's, it's God, I need you to work in an area of my life. <laughs> I, I need to be more like Jesus and less like me. Maybe for you, it's I need, I need your enabling because I just feel like I'm just falling on my face over and over and over. The Holy Spirit says, please ask. He's leaning in. He wants to hear from you and he wants to say yes. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. This is your time with God. Just talking to him silently, just for you and him. Holy Spirit, this morning we come and we ask. We ask with boldness because you want to hear from us. We ask with boldness that Holy Spirit, you would do a work in our lives, that you'd help us to be more like Jesus, that you would enable us to do the task that you've called us to. And Lord, as you convict us, that we know that that is as a loving parent that's calling us up and beyond to quit crawling around, quit consuming. You've built us to fly. So Father, help us to respond by saying yes to you, not only to be Lord and Savior of our lives one time where we place our trust in you, but to do so every day of our lives where we say you first and you most, God. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.